this Advent, we want to unwrap the gospel and recognize and be reminded that if we possess Christ, as Luther said, as Paul said, if we possess Christ, we possess all the benefits of Christ. And there are five of those gifts, five of those benefits in Ezekiel 36 that we're going to discover over the next four Sundays, including today. We'll look at two of them today. Um, before we jump in, will you pray with me? Father, we bless you. We bless you because you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, because we have received the gift of Jesus, we have received all that there is in him. And we'd like to discover a little bit more about what that means. What are, what are some of those benefits uh, that we receive because we've received Christ? Would you help us this morning by the power of your spirit uh, and the power of your word to uh, unwrap the good news about the birth of Jesus um, a little more today and in the coming weeks? Help us to know a little bit more about what it might mean to um, put on Christ and walk in that good news uh, in, in our daily lives. That's what we hope for. That's what we ask that you would do. Um, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So did you survive Thanksgiving? This year? Did you survive? Was your table like this? Uh, sad, isn't it, that we have to even ask that we, whether we survived Thanksgiving Day, a day that should be about families coming together, reuniting in sweet communion and fellowship together, um, a day that's about being someone special to each other, um, that day has become known as a day of conflict. It's become dreaded as a day of broken relationships. Um, we, we now have to prepare ourselves, and I, I'm telling you, there are dozens and dozens of articles on the internet that will help prepare you for the family feud that is likely to take place over your family table at Thanksgiving. It's sad. Did you survive Black Friday? Huh? Or did your Black Friday look like this? Um, it's also sad that we have to talk about surviving a day that's supposed to be about using our hard-earned money to buy gifts for others. Um, a day that's become more and more about getting and spending than it is about spending ourselves to give. Um, a day about doing something special um, with what we've been giving, given has become a day of doing whatever it takes to get what we want. Um, 
But Advent is about longing. So I want to ask you this. Think about this with me for a minute. What longings are stirred in you as you think about what Thanksgiving could be? Not just about the absence of conflict, but, but don't you long for the presence of people that you've lost? Don't you wish they were at the table with you? Don't you desire whole and holy relationships with the people who are at the table with you? Or at least most of them? Don't you wish that you were fully known and at the same time fully loved and accepted by the people that sat at your table this Thanksgiving? We long for something that's lost at Thanksgiving. We long to have a people whom we can love and who will love us. What longings are stirred in you as you think about what Black Friday should be? (laughs) Uh, Not just longing for the absence of Walmart fights and mad grabs for the latest device, although it does provide entertainment later when Twitter shows you all of the hashtag Black Friday fights, which is where I got that picture. Um, But don't you long for more than just the absence of the fighting? Don't you... Don't you long for a heart that loves to use your resources to give to others? Don't you desire to live for a greater purpose than just getting and spending? Perhaps you desire not to have a judgmental heart that looks down with uh, smugness at all those who go Black Friday shopping and get in Black Friday fright. Fights. Weren't we made to do something special with who we are and what we are for the sake of other people? For the sake of the flourishing of all that God has made? We long for something that's been lost in Black Friday. We long to have a purpose for living that's for the sake of others and that truly comes out of a heart that overflows with generous love. Did you know God longs for all of this too? Shocking, I'm sure. But he does. God desires to have a people who will live in love in partnership with him. And that's what Ezekiel 36 is going to show us this morning and in the next few weeks. Ezekiel 36 is going to show us how God promised to restore to himself a new people who would live and love in a new partnership through Jesus. Look at verse 24 of Ezekiel 36. God promises, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries. God's saying, I have a plan to make you a new people. I'm going to take and gather to myself a new people. And then look at verse 28. God promises, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. 
God is promising that he has a plan to enter into a new partnership with us. We will be his people. He will be our God. But I guess the question is, why did God need to do something new anyway? Why a new people and a new partnership? Well, as you know, if you know the story of the Bible, it's because our relationship and partnership with God have been broken. You remember Adam and Eve, right? Have you ever thought about this? Maybe you haven't, but I'm going to help you. I thought about this this week. So in the garden at the tree, the first family feud at a family meal happened at that tree in the middle of the garden. So no wonder Thanksgiving is so rough for some of us. It's in our genes. But also, the first Black Friday took place at that tree in the middle of the garden. The first, I want that grab-and-go took place at that tree in the middle of the garden. See, Adam and Eve were made uh, to live and love like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were created to be a family of persons who live for the sake of others in the place God had put them, but they failed to do that. And so God exiled them out of the Garden of Eden into judgment. Okay, so even with their failure, God promised that he would call to him, still promised that he would call to himself a people who would live as a family with him and with each other for the sake of the nations in the place that God put them. But Israel, too, failed. And so God exiled them out of their land into judgment. And that's where we find Ezekiel in Babylon prophesying to God's people who are in exile. And, and so God describes a little bit of what's happened in verses 18 and 19 of Ezekiel 36. He says, so I poured out my wrath upon my people for the blood that they had shed in the land of Israel, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and deeds. I judged them. But even in exile, even as they're scattered among the nations, God's people failed to live in a way that praised his name. Rather, they lived in a way that profaned his name. And so he goes on in verse 20. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. God said. In this part of the story, if you have ears to hear it, you can feel the longing. The longing that says, how can we ever live as the family of God that, that he made us to be? How can we do this? How can we ever live for the sake of others like our God does? How is this going to be possible? Look at the mess we've made of everything. Is there any hope that God will find a people who will live in perfect partnership with him? There's this longing in the story that builds and builds in Ezekiel 36 comes along and there's a glimmer of hope and God says as he longs for it too he says oh but I had concern for my holy name 
which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. Sounds odd to our ears, doesn't it? That God would say, I'm not going to do this for your sake, I'm doing it for mine. But if he does it for his sake, it's better guaranteed. For the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. At this point, I'm reading or hearing this word from God, and I'm thinking, here it comes. He is not happy. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord, when through you... I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. That little phrase, through you, can either be packed with a whole lot of bad news or a whole lot of good news. Through you, I'm going to vindicate my holy name before the eyes of the nations, God says. Well, if I were God, the way I'd do that through them is obliterate them. And show all the nations, this is what happens when you disobey the God of Israel, the living and true God. But no. <laughs> you unwrap that little through you phrase, and there's all kinds of good news in it. Because what's inside that is God saying, I'm going to do something new through you. I'm not going to obliterate you. I'm going to do something that the old covenant pointed to, but only the new covenant can make happen. I asked Christine to bring me a cover, a box cover from a puzzle at our house, and this is the best we could do. Puppies and bunnies and doggies, yes. I'm sure uh, painted by some famous artist. Um, but uh, it's lovely, isn't it? But what do we do with box tops for puzzles? Well, they help us see what the puzzle should look like, but then along the way, as we're building the puzzle, they help us figure out which pieces are missing, right? Well, that, that's what the Old Covenant is like. The Old, the old Covenant... Uh, showed the people of God what it should look like to be the people of God in partnership with God. It should look like a people or a family who love God with all their heart, mind, and strength. That's the first four commandments, which the Old Covenant kind of are summarized in. It should look like a people who partner with God to love their neighbors as themselves. That's the last six commandments. That's, that's what it should look like. And it should look like that when those people break those commands, they run to the blood of the sacrifice that God has offered them to cleanse their sins and to reconcile them to God. That's what it should look like. A people who love God with all they are, who partner with God in loving others, and who depend on God to cleanse them when they don't and reconcile them when they stray. 
But over time, that box top of the Old Covenant showed them um, that they didn't have it in themselves to live out that picture of being the people of God in partnership with God. And they also found out over time that the blood of lambs, goats, and bulls don't change them. They can't change them. And as close as they seem to come at times, they could just never get it together. They couldn't put this together because they were missing two significant pieces. They were missing a changed heart, and they were missing the heart changer. And that's what God promised to supply them in the new covenant, which Ezekiel 36 is describing the new covenant. In order to have a new people of God who are in a new partnership with God, God the heart changer has to come. He has to come. And he has to give this new people a new heart that is washed with a new purity, that beats with a new passion for God and for people, and that obeys with a new power provided by his spirit. That's what Ezekiel 36 is saying. That's what the new covenant is about. It, it supplies the missing pieces of a changed heart and the heart changer who makes the transformation. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he's the new Adam. He's the new Israel. He is the new humanity who lives and loves perfectly in partnership with God, who came to be the perfect blood sacrifice to cleanse our sins and to reconcile us to God. And so because the heart changer has been wrapped in flesh and blood and hung on a tree for us, we can say with Paul what we read earlier from Ephesians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. Remember, Ezekiel said he would take and gather his people, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, a new family according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Friends, in Christ, we have all the blessings of the new covenant. In Christ, we have been chosen as the new people of God. In Christ, we have been adopted by the love of his Father as the new family of God, his sons and his daughters. In Christ, we have a new partnership with God to live holy in blameless lives to live for the praise of his glorious grace. So when you get Jesus at Christmas, you get to be a new people in a new partnership with God who have a new purity, a new passion, and a new power. But we don't want to treat this gift, 
like we treat some gifts. We don't want to just leave it wrapped and under the tree, or we don't want to just leave it in the box and never take it out and use it. So how do we get this good gift out of the box and into our everyday lives? What difference can being a new people of God in a new partnership with God make in your week this week? Well, I want to share with you a couple of ways that those gifts help me. Um, When you get Jesus for Christmas, you also get a new gold chain. Now, I know this isn't very fancy, and you probably not want to wear this. Um, But you get a new gold chain. For for years, for years, uh, throughout church history, theologians and Bible teachers have talked about the golden chain of salvation. Uh, And and so here's the links in this chain. Uh, We are foreknown by God, predestined to be conformed in His image, called by God, justified by God, adopted by God, sanctified by God, and ultimately glorified by God. When you get Jesus, you get all of this. And today, we're just talking about the first three links and the last one. We, be, we get to be a new people who have been foreknown by God, predestined by God, and called to be his new people, his new family. And we ultimately will live glorified in a new partnership with God in the new heaven and the new earth forever and ever. But that new partnership starts now. And the three links in the middle that we'll talk about in the next few weeks are what God does to our hearts so that we can live in that partnership with him. So here's how, here's how this helps me. Romans 8, which KB read earlier, says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called And those whom he called, he also justified. And Paul doesn't talk in these verses about adoption and sanctification, but he talks about it other places. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Here's how it helps me to know that God foreknew me. That word foreknow is not a word that means God looked down the corridors of time and he knew ahead of time that you would choose him, and so he chose you. That's not what the word means. It's a word that means personal, intimate knowledge of you as a person. It, it, it means that uh, he decided way ahead of time to enter into a relationship with you. It's not based on what you would do. It's based on how he feels about you on he set his love on you. So you could say this for no, you could also call it he forloved you. He loved you before. 
the foundations of the earth. So how does that help me? It helps me to know, it helps me to know that I'm his. It helps me to know that I'm his. I can know that if God loved me before the foundations of the earth were set, he will love me even when it feels like the foundations of my world are coming apart. That's how it helps me to know that I'm part of the people of God, that he foreknew, that he foreloved. I'm loved by the creator of the universe. I'm loved by the creator of the universe. And he loves me like he loves his son. This is, I love this. This is how it helps me. Remember, when Jesus was baptized and when he transfigured on the mountain before he went to the cross, the father said to Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And friends, if God foreknew you and loves you and chose you to be in Christ, he says the same thing to you that he says to his son. You're my beloved. I love you. I love you. I don't care what happened at Thanksgiving around your table. I love you. I don't care what kind of fool you made of yourself on Black Friday. I'm pleased with you. Well, I do care. <laughs> don't do that anymore because that's not who you are. But I love you. I'm pleased with you. It's very practically helpful to know that we are the new people of God because we're his. But then Paul goes on to the second link and he says, that we were predestined, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. How does that help me? That helps me because there's a plan for my life. My life is not just about getting and spending and working my tail off so that I can get and spend. That's not what my life is about. He has a plan for my life. He's shaping me into the image and likeness of Jesus. And so what does that mean? That means that all things, all things work together for that good of making me like Jesus because I'm his. All things are working together to shape the sons and daughters of God, to look and live and love like the Son of God. If you got Jesus, you got that. And the third link, or connected to that second link, sorry. Why? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, God didn't send Jesus to do all this just so that Jesus could do this on his own, be by himself. He was gathering a people, remember? Jesus was going to be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. God was starting a new family. And what does that do for me to know that? It helps me to know I'm not alone. I have a family. I have you. And you're like, and you have me. And we're like, is that really good? Sometimes it's kind of rough. 
But yeah, you're being conformed to the image of Jesus, just like I'm being conformed to the image of Jesus. You belong to Jesus, just like I belong to Jesus. You're loved by him, just like I'm loved by him. We're in this process together. It's a little messy sometimes, yes, but we're in it together. We're not alone. I don't have to do this alone. You're here to help me. But it's not just about me. I don't have to do this alone. I'm here to help you. I was made for the sake of others. You were made for the sake of others. And then he says, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's the last, that's the last link. Glorified. That's where you're headed. One day, you will be glorified. It'll all be done. You will be perfect as he is perfect. And it will be glorious. And what I love about this is that Paul says glorified in the past tense. And how does that help me? Because it means it's as good as done. It's guaranteed. It's so sure that he can go ahead and speak of it in the past tense. I need to know that. I need to know that he's not going to give up on the process of conforming me to the image of Jesus He's not going to give up on you either. I need to know that for you. We need to know that for each other. It gives us hope for one another. The process is so certain that God declares it done. So I'm his. There's a plan for my life. I'm not alone in this plan. And it's as good as done. So what do we do now? Receive the gift. Receive the gift. Trust that in Jesus, you belong to God's new people and you are in a new partnership with him. Walk out of here trusting that no no matter what happens, you are his. That no matter what happens, good or bad, painful or not, he is at work to make you like Jesus. Walk out of here knowing that in, that in that process, you're not alone. You don't have to be. We're with you. You're with us. We need you. And walk out of here knowing that when he says it's as good as done, you can trust him. It is as good as done. Father, That's our problem. (laughs) We don't trust. (laughs) It's hard to believe. Would you help us today to take this good news that we are part of a new people who have a new partnership with you um, and and drive it deep down in us and, and, and make it change the way we do the rest of today and the rest of this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.